Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. It's Mark with you. And JJ. It's a live Thursday night edition of Free Woo-hoo. Talk Live. Indeed, you are not getting jilted with some kind of recorded show. No. And it's uh, Free Talk Live is uh, is interactive. You can call in at 855-450-3733. Talk about what you want to talk about. But we, will have, we do have a guest this evening, and uh, we're going to be getting right to him in just a moment. But... Check out freetalklive.com. It is also an interactive website. You can go there, upload uh, you know stories you've found, blog posts, uh, you know pictures you can link to them, anything you want to link to. It's freetalklive.com. People can vote up your stuff. They you can vote up other people's stuff. Vote it down. It's freetalklive.com. Let's go to Anthony Davies. Anthony, we've been talking about you a lot on Free Talk Live recently. I'm flattered. Thank you. Hello. <laughs> You've got some uh, some great videos over at learnliberty.org slash FTL that, um, you know, I've, uh, I've I've picked these out of the, the lineup. And actually, the Institute for Humane Studies, who runs that website, learnliberty.org slash FTL, and um, the whole Learn Liberty, uh, the Liberty Academy and the whole thing, they they offered me the opportunity to talk to you. And I uh, snatched up the opportunity because I, I feel that. You know, I really like a lot of the videos that you put out there. Great, great. You- I, that, the uh, the the whole point here is to is to get the word out as as best we can. So, uh, yeah, if you like the videos, we've done a good job. Indeed, there's uh, the one especially showing the U.S. debt as in a bar graph form. It's about a minute long, and the camera just keeps on panning out as the bars get higher and higher. Right, right. It's devastating. Yeah, that was um that. That that was a last minute thought. Actually, we were wrapping up shooting, and uh, and I had that data, and we said, oh, we should put something together like this. And um, and of course, the the the, the way for, for your listeners that haven't seen it, uh, I show um, I show uh, the uh, the economy of of China and the economy of Japan, and then we go on and on, add things, we get to the total debt of the United States and unfunded uh, uh, obligations to retirees and so forth, and then we get to the the economic output of the world. And as, as I'm Listing all of these things, the bars are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And then finally, we come to the total amount of money the U.S. government either owes other people or has promised uh, current and future retirees. And, and that bar exceeds the output of the entire planet. Right. So it, it kind of, the, the whole story just lent itself to this, to pulling the camera back and seeing it get bigger and bigger. Yeah, it's it's frightening to think that this is the legacy that the United States government has uh, left for you know we its uh, subjects. Why why do you think that this is such a? I mean, this is a huge amount of profound knowledge to know that the the unfunded liabilities and all that sort of stuff. Just what what we're creating for us is such a huge insurmountable amount of money. Why isn't why isn't this more widely known? Or why do you think the public isn't reacting to this like they ought to be? Well, I, th- I think in large part the the public has been. They, Americans are good people, and and we tend to trust our politicians. I mean, we elect them, and their job is is to is to lead. And what's happened is over you know decades now we have trusted politicians who have said, oh, there's no problem here, or whatever problem there is, we'll we'll be able to fix it. Well, we've kicked this can down the road far enough. That it's we've now reached the point that it's mathematically impossible to fix, and so what I mean by that is um, the uh, the federal government has borrowed a lot of money from uh, from various people, but in addition to that, and the, this is the big thing, it has promised retirees 
uh, benefits in the form of Social Security. It's promised retirees benefits in the form of uh, Medicaid and Medicare uh, payments. That it not only does it not have the money to cover, but to obtain the money necessary to cover that would cost us more than the than, than the total amount of money that, that the federal government brings in. It's just it, it's just mathematically impossible to to meet these obligations. Now, um, you know, how come the uh, you know it seems like the economy is kind of slowing down, but they're pumping a lot of money into it. You know, we we've been taught all our lives is all they've got to do is pump money into it, and it it will uh, you know continue to bubble up. And that trick doesn't seem to be working anymore. No, it, it doesn't. And, and the fact is the trick, you know, you could, you could pick up any Econ 101 textbook and it'll tell you the trick doesn't work. You know, I, in, in, my, in my dark hours, I have, a t- I have this, this vision of, of just buying a book and sending it to the president. Um, all you've got to do is read a few pages. The fact of the matter is the way an economy works is people create stuff. Yeah. Or they perform services in exchange for other people who are creating other stuff or performing other services. The only thing that dollar bills do is enable us to easily exchange mm. what I produce for what you produce and for you to exchange what you produce for what someone else produces. Right. So, so you can see if you plow a bunch of dollars into the economy – you really haven't done anything. You haven't created any new goods and services. Think, think of it this way. The analogy I use is, is a conveyor belt. I'm at one end of the building. You're at the other end of the building, and I need to get boxes to you. And I put them on the conveyor belt. They go down the conveyor belt, and they get to you. Well, the boxes are the goods and services. The conveyor belt is the dollars. When, when the Federal Reserve cranks up the money supply, all it does is speed up the conveyor belt. Right. Well, that doesn't do anything if I can't put the boxes on any faster than I was doing before. Makes some. It makes a certain amount of sense. I, they, the, the conveyor belt uh, analogy leaves me a, a little stunned um, in that they, you know, they, they they seem to get a they get a temporary boost from it. I mean, obviously the the. I mean, wasn't the housing market created by making more dollars available? Uh, the, the you know the, the sort of bubble that was created recently. Yeah, the, the housing market it wasn't it wasn't created, in my opinion, principally by by the the influx of dollars. Although okay. that certainly was was a, a contributing factor. The big deal here was uh, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, and these are government entities uh, who were directed by the government to go out into the market and buy up mortgages from banks. So the way this works is, you want to buy a house, you go to your bank and you say, hey, can you lend me some money to buy a house? The bank says yes. Now, what just happened? You promised to pay the bank some money plus interest. The bank, in turn, forked over the money so you could buy the house. Did the bank bank, have the money initially? This is something I haven't been able to figure out. Was the money created through the bank signing a piece, getting a piece of signed paper? Was it created by the Federal Reserve and given to the bank so the bank didn't actually have the, the money in assets or is it something you know is it really like i heard on the warner brothers cartoon that the bank just holds the money and and that kind of thing i mean how does fractional reserve banking? yeah that's a good question and the way originally the way it worked is um you've got people who save money and they put their money in the bank and it's that money that people have saved the bank then turns around and loans out to other people so, so that's the way the system is supposed to work. And, of course, the bank takes on a risk by loaning you money, and that's why they charge you interest. 
so, so the whole system has a built-in check and balance. If, if the borrowers start getting too risky, so they're trying to buy houses that are, um, that are uh, you know, beyond what they can afford, then what happens is the bank necessarily says, look, I'm going to have to charge you more interest. Uh, than what I'm because this, this is a risky sort of a proposition here. And the higher the interest rate the bank charges, the less apt the borrowers are to borrow. So you've got this built-in breaking mechanism. Right. That's the way the thing's supposed to work. Now, enter Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. The government says to Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, not enough Americans own their own houses. All right. Right. That's the American so dream, right? Right. Well, yeah. Now, how the government figures that not enough Americans own their own houses, I don't know. I mean, does it have a target? I, I don't know. It's never stated this. It just says people need to own their own houses. So it says to Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, go out there and buy up these mortgages from the bank. So now you've got this influx of cash you were talking about. So Fannie Mae turns around and says to the bank, hey, you've got mortgages there? Give them to me. I'll give you cash. And Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac don't care if the mortgages are risky. And that's what starts the bubble. Right. They don't care whether the mortgages are risky because Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac aren't in it to make a profit, so their money's not on the line. They're in it to satisfy whatever the political whims are. And right. And obviously, the government doesn't have the same uh, mechanisms for figuring out what makes sense in the marketplace as a, a business. Exactly. And, and so what you get is, uh, you know, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac buying up risky mortgages that someone who had a profit incentive wouldn't. Right. And Anthony so Davis, heard, uh, hold the line. You probably can't hear the music out there, and I we, we have to um, t- take I just uh, just a second here. Okay. 855-450-3733. Free Talk Live. Are you a cigarette smoker? I was too for many years. You know that crap's going to kill you, right? There's a healthier option. 22,000 times healthier. Vaporsmiths.com. A pack-a-day smoker will save $120 a month, and it tastes better. No more ashtray mouth. No smell. No secondhand smoke. You could use it just about anywhere. Free shipping on orders over $60, and a free starter kit with the purchase of 40 cartomizers with coupon code FTL. Call 855-2-GET-VAPOR or go to Vaporsmiths.com. Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line. It's Mark with you. And JJ. Go check out news.freetalklive.com. There you can uh, sign up for email updates, uh, find out more about our Twitter, our Facebook, get all the news about Free Talk Live. These are the best ways to get it. It's news.freetalklive.com. Let's go back to uh, Anthony Davies from... uh, uh, the Institute for Humane Studies, and uh, what? What? You're a professor, right, Anthony? That's correct at Duquesne University in Pittsburgh. Uh, I just wanted to make sure I got some of your cred out here. That uh, matters to somebody. I'm I appreciate sure. it. <laughs> what? Um, <laughs> now you were you were telling us uh, the the uh, how the disaster occurred with the housing bubble, and it had more to do with uh, Fannie and Freddie than the the printing of money. You can go on with that if you'd like. Well, it did, and I, I'll just give you just quickly a very simple analogy. I mean, picture that you're going to go to uh, Las Vegas and gamble and think to yourself how much money you're willing to bet. Now, perform the same experiment, but this time uh, someone's going to tell you that they'll cover all your losses. Yeah. On the second case, you're going to bet a heck of a lot. And that's what Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac did to our banks. They right. said, look, go ahead and loan out, and we'll cover your losses. 
Yeah, I, that would change how I would gamble. JJ? Yeah, I, I, well, I don't want to gamble. <laughs> but but your, your losses are covered. Oh, Oh, awesome. Then let's do that. Yeah, <laughs> right. totally. Let's That's push the envelope. Right. right. At first, I'm thinking, uh, yeah, you know, a hundred bucks, whatever. Now, if I don't, if I don't have to lose anything, it's a whole different story. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, and this is kind of the, the annoying part. The people, um, the politicians particularly blame it on the, the, quote unquote, greedy bankers. Well, you know what? I mean, if you want to use the word greedy, that's fine. But they were greedy before, they're greedy after. The greed isn't what changed. What changed is all of a sudden the government said, we'll cover your losses. Indeed. So um, now, the is the housing market what sort of caused the slump that we have today? Well, the the, the bursting of the bubble uh, certainly you know caused the slump. It was you know similar to the to the bursting of the tech bubble back in the, in uh, nineteen ninety nine two thousand. Uh, but it's not what's currently ailing us. Um, along with the bursting of the bubble, we had an unprecedented uh, takeover of the private economy. With uh, with Obamacare, and it wasn't just Obamacare, but it was uh, you know buying out the um, the uh, controlling interests in the automobile companies. It was in taking over much of the financial sector. Um, and, and now, what all of before you go yeah, on okay. now isn't Obamacare kind of I mean hasn't that really like not gone into effect yet? And isn't the the you know whatever happened with the uh, car manufacturers isn't that kind of over? Well, it, yes, the car manufacturers have come out of bankruptcy, and the Obamacare uh, was supposed to be phased in starting in 2013. And if the court cases go the way they're going now, it may never be phased in. Right. But, but here's, the, here's the important point in both cases. In both cases, the federal government took unprecedented steps to interfere in the private markets. Sure. And that, that creates a tremendous amount of uncertainty. Mm-hmm. If you're a small business owner um, or even a large business owner, you're much less apt to invest in infrastructure, to hire new employees, because you don't know what, if the government might step in tomorrow and change the rules of the game again. So I, I think what, what we've been experiencing in the past 18 months of this melee has been everybody just sitting on the sidelines waiting for the dust to settle. So it's really just uncertainty. It's, it's a tremendous amount of uncertainty. You know, if Clinton's mantra was, it's the economy stupid, Obama's should be, it's the uncertainty stupid. That's what's holding us back. Now, um, what effect does the printing of money on that? We hear we hear a lot about uh, QE one, QE two, maybe QE three coming along. Um, you know, the the, the bailouts. Uh, I, I'm sure that had something to do with printing money too, right? Yeah, and, and the idea here is the government, uh, the, the Federal Reserve increases the money supply that pushes down interest rates, and with low interest rates, you know, businesses are more likely to invest. Uh, people are more likely to borrow for mortgages. But here's the problem. The Federal Reserve has pushed interest rates so low they can't go any lower. Right. We're well, all you know, Japan. Japan had lower interest rates. Weren't they paying people? paying banks to borrow money from their central bank? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So it could go lower. Through, <laughs> it could go yeah, into the negatives. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Well, but, but yeah. It, the, the problem there is because everybody looks at or the politicians look at low interest rates and think they're good, but they're only good for some of us. They're good for those of us who are borrowing. Those of us who are saving, particularly the elderly who are living on on income, this is very bad for them. Right. The suggestion is in the economy today, I I believe it was 2005, and um, I don't know if that's the only year, but I I happen to know that in 2005, Americans, uh, you know, people uh, spent more money than they made, which just kind of shows that, uh, you know, the government has, you know, the government's created this whole um, 
economy of borrowing and and consuming and you know somehow or another saving is bad right right exactly but but then but you think back to whenever it was the late 1990s when the government was saying we have a savings problem americans aren't saving enough right i remember them saying it sure yeah were they just yeah, was so, it just lip service or or what was it I don't know what it is other than occasionally, you know, a politician will get a bee in his bonnet and think we're not doing enough of something or we're doing too much of something as if the private sector is routinely making poor decisions. We don't know what it is that we want. Hmm. Well, it would seem like people would react to some extent. I mean, if you have an economy based on debt and based on consumption, um, then, you know, the, the people are going to follow suit. You know, they're going to be getting these signals from the, the uh, you know, wherever the higher ups that are giving these signals. And they're going to create this sort of false economy where people are, um, you know, incentivized to consume more than uh, they're incent- and, and to go into debt more than they're incentivized to stay. I mean, if debt is really, really cheap then people are going to be incentivized to go into it. Yeah, that, that's true, um, up, up to a point. At some point, um, you, you start to realize what's flowing downhill. Yes, and sir. I think that's what we've got now. Uh, the federal government, it's becoming apparent, just cannot afford the amount of spending it, it has incurred. It cannot afford the debt that it's incurred. So the next logical step is it's going to start cutting back on aid it gives to the states yep. and requiring the states to pick up more of, of the tab for things that are the social programs and so forth. Right, the well, austerity the program, and, basically. I mean, it's, Exactly. It's well, gonna... Yeah, and what happens is the states are going to turn around to the local communities and do the same thing. Sure. And they can't the print money. That, it, yes, and at the end of that chain is you and me. And that's where the buck is going to stop. So I think a, a lot of Americans are wising up to the fact that we better get our, our tighten our belts and get our financial situation in order because the, the people who are further up the food chain are going to be dumping on us pretty soon. Now, um, you know, I guess I guess there are a couple of questions this begs, and I'll just start with one of them. How does the United States government fix this and how likely is that? Well, that's a, now the first question is easy. How do you fix it? Because our problem is crystal clear. The problem is spending. Now, you know, the politicians will say, well, we need to raise more revenue. Federal revenue per person, per person, has been rising significantly faster than inflation for the past half century. So revenue is, is not the problem. Okay. The, problem is, the problem is spending. So if you, if you go back to you know, the 1950s and look at how much the government spent compared Ant- to today. Anthony, um, you know, I've heard uh, somewhere that essentially the, um, g- the taxes as a percentage of GDP is, uh, remained very, very similar um, over, right, right. over the decades. Is this so? Yeah, it's about 18% of GDP, no matter what you do with tax rates. Yeah, but so how can it be increasing per person? The tax revenue is increasing per person. We're going to have to talk about this in just a minute. All right. 855-450-3733. Free Talk Live. This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Stouffer's, helping bring your family together with wholesome dinner options, even on the busiest of nights. Find dinner table ideas to bring your family together at letsfixdinner.com. To get kids involved in dinnertime conversation, ask specific questions, not broad ones. Instead of what happened today at school, try what was the best thing that happened today. The more specific you are, the more they'll have to say. For more tips like these, visit us at parenthood.com slash yourfamilytoday. 
Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. It's a SACL toll-free call-in line. Excuse me. 855-450-3733. Go to shrine.freetalklive.com. We've got uh, all kinds of pictures there at shrine.freetalklive.com of uh, lady listeners who have sent in their pictures to prove that they listen to Free Talk Live and various and uh you know, unique and exciting ways. It's shrine.freetalklive.com. <laughs> it is one of the most visited sections of Free Talk Live. No way. Indeed it is. It's it's really surprising. Shrine.freetalklive.com. We are talking to uh, Professor Anthony Davies here of uh, the IHS. And it's Duquesne University, is that right? Duquesne, that's correct. Duquesne University. And mm-hmm. you can see some of his videos over at um, learnliberty.org slash FTL. And uh, some, actually some of them that I picked out, and he has uh, several there. You can search by – once you get there, you can search by names and uh, see all of his videos if that's what you wish to do. It's learnliberty.org slash FTL. And we, we were talking about the, uh, the, the the financial crisis there, and I – shoot, I, I asked you a question before we went to the uh, break there. Um, Anthony Davies, do you remember what it was? I do. It was a good one, too. It was uh, the uh, about the uh, the tax revenue is being a constant percentage of GDP. Right. So, uh, no uh, tax- yeah. Let me let me reframe yeah. it. You're right. So, um, tax revenue has been a constant as a, as to GDP, but apparently, tax what you're claiming is the tax revenue per individual has been rising at a rate higher than inflation since for decades. Right, right. And let, let me clarify those two things. The first one, you know, you can go back to the 1950s, and it, it doesn't matter whether our tax rates were high or low. It doesn't matter whether you're taxing income or capital gains or corporations. Right. What's happened is since the 1950s, the government's revenue has been a constant 18% of the economic pie. So we, we bake this pie every year. We call it GDP. The government slice ends up being about 18%, regardless of whether it taxes us at high rates or low rates. And that sounds steady as things go and, and, and good, right? Well, yeah, but it's also very interesting because what it means is this whole discussion that we have about uh, we should tax more, tax less, or tax the rich or tax the poor is completely irrelevant. The government's going to get 18% of the pie, no matter what it does. So the important thing is select tax rates that make that pie as big as possible because you're going to get 18% of it. All right. So and that that formula is easy. That's low tax rates and a simplified tax code. It does make some sense. Um, you know, it, it, it doesn't seem like the government's heading down that path, though. It seems like they're heading down the path of increased, increasingly Byzantine tax code um, and that, you know, that people can use to get out. You know, people that, uh, you know, have the money to pay tax lawyers can get out of paying. But those of us who don't have, um, you know, these kind of understandings that, oh, if I just put a box of bees on my property, suddenly I'm a frickin' farmer and I pay a right. tenth of what I did before. Yeah, you're absolutely right, and, and, you're, and we're seeing that, that Byzantine business, not just in the tax code, but in, in the body of regulations as well. Uh, you know, when, 20 years ago, the government regulated one in six jobs. Now it regulates one in three. And interestingly, who's responsible for much of that regulation are the industries who are being regulated. They will go to the government and ask for regulation, ostensibly because it's for this public safety. Sure. In fact, in fact, what it's about is keeping out competition. Absolutely. That's what regulations generally are about, is that bigger businesses want to keep smaller upstarts out and make their, their investment costs to get started so high that it uh, is prohibitive. 
Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, that is one of the, the greatest um, um, uh, um, impingements on our liberty uh, uh, that's occurred over the past 50 years. Now, Anthony Davies, before we go on here, I've, um, let's step down and take a call. We've got uh, Jeff in Waco calling in. Jeff? Yes, good afternoon, gentlemen. I've been listening. Hi, I was just, just, uh, hi how you doing? Uh, this, you guys are dead on, on target here. You know, I'm 51 years old. My generation uh, learned to spend less than you made. Uh, even though I didn't make a lot of money, I'm a six-figure guy now, and I pay a lot of taxes, which I wouldn't mind paying taxes, like running a marathon. At least there was a prize at the end, but I've been, we're paying and nothing's happening. You have this instant generation, both in terms of the government uh, gratification generation and the people, that we have to have everything now. Nobody wants to be told no, and this is the mess we're in. You know, my, grand, my, my father and my... Um, grandfather didn't live their life this way. I try not to live mine. But you look what the government's doing. Any, I'm not a math genius or I'm not a, an expert in the financial markets, but if you spend more than you make on a consistent basis, guess what? You're going to go, the average person goes broke and goes bankrupt. The difference with the government, they have the ability to, number one, monetize the debt or keep this, uh, this charade going for many years until they're at off somebody else's problem. So unless something dramatic happens, and I mean dramatic, you know, Take the fourteen trillion we owe. That's a mind-boggling number. I don't think people realize how bad that is. On top of the unfunded Social Security for guys like me and maybe you guys, and and, and, and Medicare, it's it's an un it's an unattainable problem to solve without massive. Tell the American people we have to do massive reform now, or the America we know won't exist in the next fifteen to thirty years. Jeff, uh, it's simple. Thank you very much, Jeff. Anthony? Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly, and I think a large part of what we're seeing is comes from our um, increasing reliance on government. Whenever there's a problem, uh, the first thing that many people do is turn to the government and say, fix this. Uh, and, and you see this now, uh, repeated calls for the government to create jobs. The government doesn't create jobs. Entrepreneurs create, create jobs. All the government can do is move a job from one place to another by taxing one person and spending the money somewhere else. But the more we rely on government to fix this problem, the worse the problem's going to get because the problem fundamentally is that we're relying too much on government. I think the same could be said for the government relying on the Fed to solve their problems. I think uh, I think the Fed is, is and fiat currency is a large part of the issue with the printing presses being used to solve the government's problems. So instead of government having to actually be accountable and, uh, and, and balance their books or, or deal with some finite amount of gold or silver to spend, they can just turn on the printing presses and solve their problems that way. So the same way that people are looking to the government to solve their problems, the government is looking to the Fed to solve their problems. And I, I think that's part of the problem. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I, and it's something I don't think many people appreciate. When, when the Federal Reserve just prints money out of thin air, um, it creates inflation. And what that, that is the same thing as if the federal government reached into every one of our pockets, every one of our bank accounts, and took some of the money out. Yep. Well, percent, well, yeah, yeah, across the entire world. Not just the United States, yeah. but anyone holding petrodollars is hurt. That's correct. That's correct. And another thing about what Jeff said um, that I kind of disagree with is this uh, this suggestion that there are there were previous generations that were somehow 
better than the one that we have? Well, the fact is Medicare and Social Security are the problem. And if uh, the previous generations from mine was really that much better, they would have saved and realized that uh, the government couldn't sustain a program where people pay in 25 cents and get a dollar, where they, um, which is how Medicare works. Or they wouldn't deal with a, uh, with a retirement program where the return is less than 1% like Social Security. I think we've had um, lazy sluggards in every generation, and this generation, frankly, is no different than any other. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with you, um, but, but, but at the same time, Social Security was intended originally to be a bare-bones yep. safety net for the poorest of the poor. You know, if, if you just look at it, uh, the increase in life expectancy, if, if, we, if we set our retirement age today to be the same as it was when Social Security was first instituted what year in, terms was that? Of, in terms of, of life expectancy. We're talking, what, 19, late 1940s, okay. early 1940s, yeah. Um, the, the retirement age would have to be 78 today, 78. Jeez, that's a pretty old worker. <laughs> so what, what, can, what can an individual yeah. do to protect themselves? I mean, just the individual person protecting themselves in this sort of uh, the, volatile, the politicians aren't gonna change, volatile right? economy. Yeah, well, I, I think um, you know, particularly this Wait, is true. An- Anthony for, Davies, yeah, don't we... answer that question. <laughs> All right, that's the t- that's the tease. <laughs> yeah, eight five five four five zero three seven three three. If you have any questions for Anthony Davies, now's the time to give him a call. Eight five five four five zero three seven three three. The Ruger LC9, compact, powerful, and perfect for personal protection. The LC9 is only slightly larger than the popular Ruger LCP, features a checkered grip frame to provide a secure and comfortable grip, and includes a finger grip extension floor plate. The LC9 also has a dovetailed high-visibility three-dot sight system, blued alloy steel barrel, manual safety, and loaded chamber indicator. The LC9, another innovative American-made product from Ruger. Learn more about the Ruger LC9 at ruger.com lc9. Talk Live, 855-450-3733. What would you do if you found out that the best liberty activists from around the world were moving to the same place in order to achieve more liberty in their lifetimes? Would you want to join them? You can. It's happening now, and you can be part of it. Join the Free State Project at freestateproject.org. Again, it's freestateproject.org. I'm a mover. JJ? Yes, I am. Number two. FreeStateProject.org. JJ, you had a question for Anthony Davies, who has been our guest here for the last few segments. That's right, Mark. Just concerning the uh, the current state of affairs with bureaucrats run, basically out of control and spending to solve their spending problems, <laughs> what can the the individual uh, person, the, the individual do to protect themselves in this, in this economy and uh, basically set themselves up for success whenever more volatile times come? Yeah, that's a that's a darn good question. Um, I, I think probably the one thing that everyone should be doing, uh, at the very least, is start uh, you know saving money uh, for retirement, um, particularly those who are under fifty years old. You better figure on Social Security not being around, uh, which oh, yeah. means you'll be paying in you'll be paying into it, but you won't be getting anything, getting anything back. 
according to the, the latest, uh, this is a 2010 uh, Social Security Board of Trustees report, they anticipate Social Security being bankrupt by 2040, which sounds like it's far in the future, but that's uh, about the time that today's 42-year-olds retire. Wow. So you, do you recommend they hold that in, in dollars or, or some other form of... Uh... Just value. Yeah, well, see, that's that's hard because you're asking investment question. I'm I'm only a lowly economist. Gotcha. I, I can't comment on investment matters. Um, so, well, but, okay, but, well, just based on based on how things have been going, based on the what sixteen trillion dollars the Fed has pumped into various businesses with this latest release here, um, considering all of that and the state of the dollar when the Fed is pumping trillions of dollars into the money supply. Do you think it's wise for a person to have their assets held in dollars, given that that inflationary effect that is going to happen? Yeah, this well certainly you know the the more inflation you get, the the less the the less useful it is to have your investments in in dollars. But part of the question is, well, where do you go if you're talking about financial assets? As weak as the dollar might look, it's about the best game in town. You probably don't um, want to go into uh, euros right now. You probably don't want to do that. You want to be careful about doing things like gold as well. You know, gold looks awfully uh, enticing going up from whatever it was, $500 two years ago to, to 1500 um, but, but gold is uh, – 1800 good Lord, yeah. <laughs> it, gold, gold is tremendously volatile. Um, you know, I was a kid when it went up to $800 an ounce, and everyone thought that was great. Then it dropped to 200 and stayed there for the next 30 years. It did. Yep. Indeed. And, and you know, this is this is one of those things that you just don't know what's going to happen into the future. I you know, I've got I've got some of my money in precious metals and because you know, I certainly don't like having them in dollars. But what do you think uh, with your as far as prognostication goes here? And it doesn't look like they're going to change their patterns very much. I mean, I suppose a uh, you know, I suppose they could elect Ron Paul and there could be some kind of change in the in the government. But it looks like you've got choice between big part, big warfare welfare party one and big warfare welfare party two, and what wh- what do you see for the United States in the relatively near future if things continue the way they're going? If, if things continue the way they're going, my my guess is uh, what's going to happen is the the welfare state is going to be dismantled. The the question before us isn't isn't if but how. Uh, one possibility is that the politicians get their act together and and generate some reasonable uh, you know glide path to to to, to disassembling things. Um, the the other possibility is that we bump up against the laws of mathematics, where it's just impossible uh, to to keep going the way we're going. And I think what you're going to see is is a is the federal government devolving uh, much of what it does to the states. So it's going to say to the states, look, we, can't, we the federal government can't handle Medicare anymore, so we're going to just divide up and you all handle it. And what you've got, interestingly, is the United States reverting to the model that we were designed to have in the first place. Federalism. Which is a very, yeah, very limited federal government that handles, you know, basically national defense and that's it. And the states, you have 50 experiments each of these states doing various things in different ways. Now, now, one of the things people are going to say is, well, they're only states, they're not countries. Well, you know what? The 50 United States are larger than most countries on the planet. In fact, if, if the 50 United States broke up into separate countries, the top 20 countries on the planet would be United States states. Yeah, I know that California is uh, the the size of uh, you know somewhere near France, which is about the seventh economy in the world. So, I mean, you know, I, I would imagine you're you're talking about some pretty large places. 
And it would seem yeah. like they would be likely to want to work together. There's this, uh, there's this, um, you know, sort of shared history that we have um, as states, and it would seem unlikely that they're going to break up. But has, now, would the federal government? They um, they currently take money in for Medicare and Medicaid and all that stuff. They wouldn't step out of the way as the mediary of that, um, the intermediary of that money, would they? I, I couldn't tell you. Um, I, I think I, I would not be surprised if what happens, and I'm not predicting, don't get me wrong, I'm yeah. not predicting the states breaking up, but I would not be at all surprised if the federal government ended up taking something like Medicare or Social Security, dividing it into 50 separate programs that are completely managed by the states. Wow, it would. Uh, it's got to well, be better than what we have are, going now. Yeah, there are many states that are already you know, seeking their own sovereignty in some fashion or form. Um, with whatever Obamacare, I know there's been a lot of states contesting that. Uh, some states with their own immigration laws that they're trying to impose and uh, things to that effect. I can only see that increasing. The go, real ID situation. On. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, um, do you, uh, as as far as um, you know, this uh, this monetary situation goes. I mean. Um, what uh, what what are the fixes that you would hope that the politicians would institute? And do you see anything happening with the new uh, the the election going on? Well, the the election, and I t- I'll be honest with you and your listeners, I'm holding out hope for Ron Paul. I think it's if we don't get someone like that in the White House in the very near future, uh, we're we're going to have a problem. We're we're reaching a tipping point where it's, you know, I've said it before, I'll, I'll repeat it, that we're going to get to a point where it's mathematically impossible to get out of this hole we dug. What would they do at that point if, they, if it's mathematically impossible to get out of the hole that they dug? Well, at that point, you default. And, and the, the way default would work... Don't they just print money not, to, they, to, to avoid default? Well, but you want to be careful doing that too much because then you're going to get, you know, you could uh, end up with some serious inflation. <laughs> Neither um, the, one of those situations the, the, the is good. Well, yeah, but the easy thing to do is to hide the default, uh, and, and what you do there is you scale back seriously the um, promised Social Security and Medicare benefits, and technically, legally, that's not a default. Right, right. Now, you try, try telling that to retirees who sure. were promised the benefits, uh, but technically, that's not a default. Well, any retiree perhaps- that's listening to this that thinks that, that Medicare is going to continue the way that Medicare is going is in for a big, fat terrible surprise. Yep. I mean, I don't know what to say. I hate that, right. that it happened, but I don't know what to say because it can't. If you just look at Medicare, it's the single worst program that they have going, and they cannot continue with it. Right. And, and I think there's, there, there's an easy, well, I won't say easy, the way out there is to take our, you know, the, the healthcare industry that we have just regulated to death and let go of it. And what will happen is, because we don't, none of us want you know, old people not having proper health care, but what will happen is if we deregulate the whole thing, private individuals, the private market will find a way to allocate resources to serve the most number of people in the best possible way. That's what we do. It always happens. Yeah, the, the Amer- Americans, and it's the one thing I tell my students, that Americans by far are better than anyone else on the planet at, and that's coming up with creative solutions. If you just let us alone to to do what we do, we'll find a way out of this. But as long as the government holds the reins, we can't do what we do best. Right, and I think that's a great argument for deregulation all across the board. And Americans are also um, some of the most generous 
uh, people that the world has ever seen. I mean, we we give and give and give. Whenever a disaster occurs around the world, the money begins to flow in. And when you're talking about money, people trade their time for money. That means that they're giving of their they're serving essentially. You know, they may be serving in the capacity of whatever they're most efficient at making money at, which is great because then they can give money. Right. Right. Exactly. So, I mean, I, I do trust the American people to handle these things. What I don't trust is for the federal government to get the heck exactly. out of the way. I mean, obviously, they're going to have to have some kind of incentive. And I, the, the picture you paint here, Anthony, frank, frankly, is, uh, is rather bright. I, I think it's, uh, it's, it, it, it's going to be good for everybody. I hope that Ron Paul um, gets elected, too. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not going to put all my gold and silver on it. But, um, you know, I, th- <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I fear that people like Bachman and Perry are parroting what he says and will confuse the, the issue right right well anthony davis yeah, more than anything else, we, we need a man of principle indeed anthony davis thank you for the interview thanks uh, a lot man yep folks can uh, see your, yeah, indeed folks can see you at uh, learnliberty.org slash ftl see some of your excellent videos thank you very much sir thank you free talk live 855-450-FREE Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. It's a SACL toll-free call-in line, 855-450-3733. Free Talk Live is an interactive radio show. It's uh, Mark with you. And JJ. And we have an interactive website. Go to freetalklive.com and put some stories up there or blog posts or whatever it is that you'd like uh, other folks to see. Other folks can vote it up, vote it down. You can do the same with theirs. It's freetalklive.com. JJ. What do you got for me? We got this story uh, from Dawn.com. China confronted Indian warship off Vietnam, comes a report from Hanoi. An unidentified Chinese warship demanded that an Indian naval vessel identify itself and explain its presence in South China Sea waters off Vietnam in July, the Financial Times said on Thursday. What are you doing in our sea? Yeah, I know. (laughs) That sounds like something America would do. (laughs) They wouldn't do that. I mean, of course, anybody can just pull right off into the... Any any nation's uh, warships can just come right off into the Gulf of Mexico. Oh, sure. Right. Of course they can. If they want to be sunk. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. Where have we seen this kind of behavior before? No, it's not imperialism. What? China learn, learns well from the United States. And well, the, you know, by the way, any any organization is going to want to expand. That's what they that's what they do. They're just uh, you know they they want to expand, and once you have a, a large uh, government on that has a monopoly on the land and its particular purview, it's going to want to sp- expand that. And one of the ways that it can expand it is into the water. Oh no, you can't bring boats through here. No, 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 no. Well, China says that it has sovereignty over essentially all of the South China Sea, a key global trading route, where it professed ownership of the potentially oil-rich Spratly Arpedigo overlaps with the claims made by Vietnam, Vietnam, Philippines, Taiwan, Brunei, and Malaysia. So all of these countries claim to have uh, some sort of stake in this this oil-rich area of the ocean, but China, of course, is the big... big, uh, the big guy in the area. Mm-hmm. So anyway, the the London-based newspaper Financial Times reported that five people familiar with the incident said it occurred in international waters shortly after India's amphibious assault ship INS 
Aravat. Okay, they're, they're funny names. Completed with a scheduled court, pol- uh, court call in Vietnam. And uh, basically, China and uh, Vietnam have had a long-standing dispute over over the more northerly uh, Parcells Archipelago, and uh, this is part of um, part of that same area. So this this sort of thing has been going on with uh, China and the other uh, Asian countries for a while. It just goes to show that uh, not everything is is cool in that area of the world as far as the trade routes and water is concerned. It's a typical Chinese repro- approach. The source said, adding that Chinese enforcement vessels try to assert that this is their territory, and what are you doing in their territory? You know, there's been um, actually some rumblings going on, um, and you know, I've read two different articles. One is, um, I guess, the U.S. doesn't like that China has bought a mid-sized aircraft carrier. Yep. Well, we don't like that. You can't have an aircraft carrier. Aircraft carriers are used to project power around the world. Yeah. And that's exactly what they are. And I guess China has been working on this uh, essentially land-launched, uh, you know, land or sea-launched uh, torpedo thing that uh, uh, you know can get through. Aircraft carriers' defenses. Apparently, aircraft carriers have all kinds of defenses that make it very difficult to get anything at them. But it apparently China's working on. I mean, right now, I mean, who do you want? Um, you know, who has the electronics? And that's really what it's all about when it comes to these uh, offensive weapons. It's electronics. That's and, right. Um, you know, so if, if what they do is they throw enough missiles at these things, and it can. It can get through enough. All it takes is one to get through. So if they throw a hundred at one of these, there are only fifteen carrier groups. Understand? So you get one of them. You've got this ship that sits way up in the water. It doesn't sit down low. It's way up in the water. It's giant, yep. and it's really outdated. It doesn't make any sense. The only reason that it um, that they exist currently is because the fact is that the um, that the, the navy. And the Air Force, the, you know, their their interests are essentially run by flyboys, guys that were former aviators. Right. And they don't they, they believe in men need to be flying airplanes. You know, I mean, what, well, it's, it's got a one hand, you've got a predator drone. On the other hand, you've got an F-22. Which one costs more? Right. I mean, you know, so there's no reason for them to even have these things. Um, but. It's definitely muscle flexing. It's yeah. it's sort of like the, uh, the the V8 hot rod that that just guzzles gas. And yeah. It's it's so over the top. You you really don't need this sort of vehicle to travel from one area to another. That's that's sort of what what an aircraft carrier is like. <laughs> it's it's just over the top. It's way too much power, and it's all about intimidating and controlling with with fear and intimidation. Of but course. now that um, but now that China has this is working on this technology, and apparently may have this technology from what um, we're seeing. You know, what does this mean for the the reality that is the U.S. carrier group? The this 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 up to this point unstoppable insurmountable force you know what does this mean for it i think that you know you're, you're going to see i mean i don't know what's going to happen in the world's uh you know the naval power in the world today but something is happening something is totally afoot and it's interesting that china is picking now to say yeah this south china sea it's ours right and i you know i don't think that that's right i think it's absolutely wrong but I can see where they get the idea from. They get the idea from the nation that 
does exactly the same thing um, around its you know sort of territorial waters. Right, monkey see, monkey do. Right. The United States has now decided, oh yeah, it's not three miles out, it's 200 miles out that we control. Okay. Right, because we have planes that can fly 200 miles out and back. But... <laughs> <laughs> I, go on with the story if you'd like. Yeah. In recent months, the Philippines and, and Vietnam have objected to what they have called Chinese harassment of an oil exploration vessels and fishermen in the South China Sea. U.S. Secretary of State Hillary Clinton in July condemned the acts of intimidation in the waters where it says there is an international uh, national interest in free navigation. Now, obviously, this is the United States' interest in free navigation. Right. A Pentagon report on Wednesday last week said China is increasingly focused on naval power as it places a growing priority on securing strategic shipping lanes and mineral-rich areas in the South China Sea. So basically the, uh, the Chinese leaders have insisted their military modernization program is aimed solely at self-defense. Of course. You know, another page out of the American playbook. Right. Well, it's all... It's- <laughs> You, you, what you have to understand is the United States hasn't been in one of the these offensive wars in the last six or seven decades, and, unless it was for defensive purposes. Every one of them is defensive purposes. Well, that's what they claim is defense. Right. Well, right. I mean, you know, it's their perception of what defense is. Defense is let's get involved in Korea. Defense is oh my goodness, the commies, uh, the, the Chinese are are uh, you know supporting the North Vietnamese against right. the South the Vietnamese. We must stop this. Otherwise, uh, communism will spread the world over and take us over. We'll be overrun by the big red horde. Ah, the Hun is coming to get us. And you know that's you could just r- wash, rinse, repeat. And this is the, uh, the the same thing, the same advocacy for war over and over again. Well, you take the the standard government model that the U.S. employs. And and you look at how it treats its subjects. That's right, you and me and the other serfs and, and subjects of the United States. And you see how they believe they own you through taxation. They give you a little bit of your tax or your your wages back to you and, and claim a certain amount of taxes. And of course there's all the fees. Right. And if whatnot. they get their money first, by the way, that means that they have control of your money. If the withholding <laughs> if withholding is taken out before you get your money, that means the government can take any amount out it wants to. Yes, it allows you to fill out a tax form, and yes, it, um, you have some level of, uh, of control today, but you're filling out their form, and, and they're the ones with the control. Right. You take that same model, and you add a little bit of arrogance and imperialistic you know, desire— and now the United States feels they own the world. So the world is in their interests. And there are certain interests who maintain their their empire and their imperialistic goals and all of their bases around the world and all of their mil- military might and influence. So, yes, they have that same model that they've applied to their individual subjects as they've applied to other countries. Well, they consider the other countries their subjects too. That's they, right, right. You know, but, but unfortunately, the spending that the uh, the United States government has uh, participated in has diminished its power to the point that now it's just an aging monarch. That's right. Free Talk Live eight five five four five zero three seven three three. You know the U.S. dollar is devaluing. You can see it happening every day. You know a new currency will take over at some point. Wouldn't you like to be in on the ground floor? Bitcoins. They're a decentralized, anonymous internet currency. They're free to use, free to accept, and free from inflation forever. You can use them anywhere in the world. Find out more at weusecoins.org. 
Don't be kicking yourself in the pants in a month. Your dollars are going down. Learn more about Bitcoins at WeUseCoins.org. That's WeUseCoins.org. Free Talk Live, 855-453. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line, 855-450-3733. Check out freetalklive.com where we have the cam for you at cam.freetalklive.com. JJ is waving at the cam. You can uh, you know, check out the cam, see us, listen to the show at the same time. The audio is coming through there. There's a chat room and it also. On Free Talk Live, we talk about investing in gold and silver as a hedge against inflation, investment, barter currency. Well, now we've teamed up with Midas Resources. Actually, it's been quite some time we've teamed up with Midas Resources to offer you some very special rates on some hand-picked gold and silver pieces. Over there, you can get some of the best rates available from a commercial distributor of gold and silver on the Internet. Go check it out. Before you buy gold or silver anywhere, and I think you should buy gold and silver, I'm certainly buying it, go check out gold.freetalklive.com. We are on day number 23 of the Ian Freeman incarceration count-up, and let's talk to Ian Freeman. Hey, y'all. Hey, Ian. How's it going? Hey, it's going pretty well. Uh, how, how are things uh, on the outside? Oh, just wanting to strangle you a little more each day. I, I don't Why feel. So I don't. Angry? <laughs> I don't feel the same way, Ian. That's because yeah, none of these guys have all this crap thrown in their laps. Oh, oh you poor thing. Mark has gotten Shit really work. good at doing the show, Ian. He's he's definitely uh, upgraded his skill set. Yeah, somebody said I might have a, a fight uh, to, for the show when I get out. You for the front chair? Nope. <laughs> no, he'll <laughs> give that back to you first thing. Yeah. Now, you know, I got to say this, uh, the whole um, automation software on LRN, uh, you know, this is the sort of thing that folks don't get to see, the behind the scenes stuff. It there There is, it is just not ready for prime time. <laughs> So anyway, the reason I'm calling uh, tonight here is I have this uh, letter that came in. Of course, I get, uh, I'm get i probably the only inmate in the block who gets mail every single day. Um, and it's thanks to everybody going to mailtojail.com and uh, sending me mail. I probably get about 90% of my, my mail that way. Um, and I got a letter here. Uh, would, would it be right for me to share it? Sure. It's your, show. it's your show, man. So, uh, <laughs> well, no, uh, you guys are in charge right now. So uh, D- Douglas uh, writes, from West Virginia, and he says, first I want to tell you thank you so much for fighting this fight. It's so important, and I'm truly thankful to you. Uh, although, of course, I don't see it as a fight from our perspective. I don't like that uh, that particular concept. A lot of people reference fighting and struggling, and the way I see that is it's really the people calling themselves the state that are the ones that are fighting. Uh, they're the ones that are fighting and struggling to retain their legitimacy uh, we're the ones that are just trying our best to live as free as we possibly can. That much is true, guys, but, but the language is like the, the language is rife with um, you know sort of martial terminology, and I understand why he would use that term. And I don't have oh, a pro- I understand it. I don't have a problem with struggle. Struggle isn't necessarily a term. And, and to to say that it is, uh, we are just coasting our way to freedom would be an inaccuracy. So I didn't say we were coasting. I said we're living as free as we possibly can. Right, and you don't They're think that's a struggle? That fighting it. No, I don't feel like I'm struggling at all. I mean, I don't like having to go to court necessarily, but uh, you know, I make the best of every single situation. Uh, I don't feel like I'm put under some sort of burdensome thing under which I'm struggling or I'm tied down or anything like that, despite all of the restrictions uh, on my freedom. 
Uh, I don't know. How do you guys feel about that? Do you feel like you're fighting or struggling? Oh, certainly I don't feel like I'm fighting. I, I think that's you're right in that, that sense. I think it is more of a, a struggle maybe. I think struggle. a challenge. I think it's definitely a challenge to to myself and to the way of life that I want to achieve. I think you, you have to do more in order to be free in this sort of society or you actually have to do less. It's certain, it, it depends on your, your point of view. But I think the, the way things are now, living free, is definitely a, a challenge. You, you have to be able to deal with the state and their objection to your living free at times and the certain you know, intervention that they bring with that challenge. So... Um, I think that's kind of how I, I think I want to definitely term it in a positive aspect. I don't want to seem yeah, like, I, I, like that. I don't want to seem like I'm moving in a negative direction. I think I want to keep, keep my mindset positive. I don't see that one, um, that, that the term struggle and uh, moving in a positive direction are diametrically opposed. Um, what I, I mean, I don't see it, you know, I, I don't see that. I think that there are things that are worth struggling for that are good and right and just and positive. Um, and you know, I don't like using the terminology of fight, um, mar- you know any martial terminology at all, but I don't think struggle fits into that category. What about what about struggling suff- makes me feel struggling makes me feel like uh, that that I'm tied down and I'm struggling to be released from the binds. And certainly, I can see how someone would see it in that way, and it is a very popular thing to say. Uh, but I, if you don't feel Let's like you're on. struggling, then it's not a struggle. And I like the challenge aspect that uh, the JJ put up. Uh, that definitely makes sense. So yeah, here's the rest of it. He says, I've been listening to Free Talk Live for about three days now. I found the show completely randomly while searching for different podcasts on iTunes. I've never heard of the show and only started listening on a whim. It's fantastic. Uh, I guess that's a compliment to, uh, to you, Mark. Uh, through Free Talk Live, I heard about your trial and the Free State Project. And I remember reading about the Free State Project years ago and had even toyed around with the idea of one day moving up there. Unfortunately, other priorities, school, girlfriend, job, took my attention away from the project, and I forgot about it. In one of the podcasts, you were asked what people could do to help you. Your response was simply a request to move to New Hampshire. Well, I think also move to New Hampshire and get active uh, for freedom. But yes, uh, he says this resonated with me in a way I can't articulate. I seriously can't stop thinking about it, and quite frankly, I'm ashamed. I think we're both about the same age with similar thoughts on freedom. You chose to act even if it came at the expense of your own freedom. I chose the path of least resistance, a life in the system where I kept my mouth shut and my eyes closed. This wasn't an easy letter to write. It would be easier for me to dig my head back in the sand and continue to ignore the injustice around me. Of course, this doesn't help the cause and may actually harm it. He says, I want you to know that you've convinced me. I don't know what the official process for becoming a Free State member is, but I promise you that by the end of spring 2012, I will move to New Hampshire. He says, goes on to say that uh, if he finds a job, he'll move sooner, uh, but otherwise he'll be saving up for it while he finishes out his degree. Uh, and he says, thanks for all your efforts and for inspiring me. So I just thought that was really, uh, really cool. Like, the guy had been listening for three days. That's, and, wow, uh, really something. And he's moving. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we, he's definitely, you know, one of those people, I'm really glad to hear that, that sort of, uh, affirmation of the efforts to get people to move here. I know you've certainly applied a lot of energy and and time into the ideas of moving to New Hampshire for the Free State Project to achieve liberty in your lifetime or whatever reason you choose to move for. So I think uh, this sort of payoff is certainly uh, welcome, certainly this time. Yeah. And we all have. I mean, you, you're busy with uh, Free Keen TV every single week, which is a lot on your plate, JJ. And yep. uh, by the way, one of the one of the guards in here uh, complimented the show. 
so so it's, it's definitely making an, an impact out there. Uh, and of course, folks can go to freekeen.com. They can see those episodes. And plus, I understand that my second blog post uh, has been posted over at Freekeen. Yep. So, yep. Uh, so people can get a, a look on the inside of what uh, what life is like here at the, the Keen Spiritual Retreat, a.k.a. Cheshire House <laughs> I really like that positive attitude you have towards that, Ian. You, you know, you might as well keep a, a positive attitude. What good is, uh, is being negative going to do, uh, especially uh, on the inside here? Uh, I did send out another couple blog posts uh, as well, and so hopefully those will be up within within a week or so. Uh, that, that one that uh, was posted, the, the second one was about five pages handwritten. The next one, uh, the third one, is about 15 pages uh, handwritten. Wow. Kind of my reflections on uh, civil disobedience. So I'll leave it at that, and I appreciate you all's time. Thanks Ian, a lot. Thanks for the call. Hey, Mark, pick me up uh, during the break, please. Hold the line. 855-450-3733. Who says hold the line anymore? You do. That really sounds like an operator. It's Mark Edge. Hold the line, please. And JJ. Free Talk Live. As a smoker, you know traditional cigarettes are unhealthy, and the taxes be the very beast stealing your freedom to smoke. That's why the Vapor Station offers an assortment of electronic cigarette kits. Each rechargeable, refillable kit is an effective, affordable alternative to smoking. No combustion, no tar, no foul, lingering odors, and no smoke, secondhand or otherwise. Just inhale pure enjoyment and exhale vapor. Take a puff just about anywhere without getting hassled. Get your e-cigarette kit now at VaporStation.com. Talk Live, 855-453. It's a SACL toll-free call in line, 855-450-3733. It's Mark with you. You know, the, uh, sorry, I didn't have And your, JJ. <laughs> you know, Ian calling in has me all messed up here. <laughs> in a fluster. Uh, indeed. <laughs> I got I to gotta do some live reads here. <laughs> I listen. I do listen to a lot of podcasts in the course of my, uh, my 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 week. Here's a podcast that you'll really enjoy: VerbalSurgery.com. Tim Cummins has a way of getting inside your head and making you feel great. I listen to his podcast because it makes me feel better. I love my listeners. Listen to this podcast, VerbalSurgery.com. You'll be happy you did. It'll make you feel better too. It's VerbalSurgery.com. Let's go to Steve in Calgary. Steve. Hello. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Hey, great, guys. How are you doing? All's well. Excellent. Mark, I would like to thank you for responding to my emails today about the LRN.FM feed. Ah, sure. And, um, man, I don't know what can I say. Up here, we just uh, had a law passed, and it went into effect today where uh, <clears throat> it's a distracted driving law mm. where everyone, uh, anyone caught with a device looking in their rearview mirror, taking a sip of their coffee, can be pulled over for being distracted while so driving. Is the idea to go after texting without uh, naming texting? That's the idea. That's the idea. But, you know, and, and no one here even considered or, or thought about, you know, people are still going to text like they're still going to speed, that now that this law has come into effect, they're now going to put their cell phones down lower Right. bring their line of sight of the road out of their vision, making it even more dangerous. Do you see this as just another excuse for the police to pull over motorists in an effort to perhaps protract the drug war or gig them on something, collect revenue, etc.? 
And so, and it came full circle. My wife is right now picking up friends of mine who got pulled over because of this and um, found some weed in the car. And yeah. There you go. <laughs> That's how the, I, you know what, right. and, but they're, they're looking for in, cell phones. Like they're you. finding weed. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And, you know, I'd, I'd also like to thank you because, uh, again, today, since, uh, you know, I got into work and I've been talking to people and strangers at the store or whatever. You know, I've, I've used an analogy that I hear every day on a, your commercials um, about words being written by strangers being magical. <laughs> That's right. Now the roads are safer in Alberta, Canada. Thank you very much. Those magical words on paper will save us all. Yeah, actually, they're probably, um, and you can you can point this out to people, they're probably not as safe because the fact is that uh, people know that they're not allowed to text and drive. I'm not saying texting and driving is a good idea, but now yeah, they know they can get a ticket for it, and they'll hold the phone down, and they'll, um, you know, they'll, they'll attempt to hide that they're doing it and thus make it even more dangerous. You know, right. I, Instead of holding your cell phone in your field of vision as right. you look at the road so that you can at least keep peripheral vision on this what you're doing. This is a bad idea, mind you. Right. <laughs> of course it's a bad idea, but so is eating and driving. So is lighting a cigarette. Not as, it's not as bad as this. Eating and driving is actually very distracted. In fact, yeah. dropping food or eating and then watching your blouse, your brand new work blouse or, or shirt get dirty as you just drop mustard on it or whatever, it can be extremely distracting. For a very short period of time. I think texting uh, lasts, lasts longer, in my opinion. Oh, look, I agree that it's it's. it's distracting okay i think texting is the worst thing you can do while driving frankly um I, what about putting on makeup or something other than getting hammered <laughs> i mean that, i've that, seen that, that too well the, an individual or an, a, a gentleman if not you know a lady's putting on makeup a gentleman is shaving he's sitting there staring in the mirror because he pulls his visor down opens up that mirror and he's staring at that while he's doing his thing instead of driving that's very distracting as well but it, it, all in all, I think individuals take that risk on themselves as far as, as when they drive and they have a certain level of comfort with their driving habits and ability. And that's a, you know, an individual determination, I think. And there, there would have been a, such an easy solution to this problem um, if they had thought about it for half of a second. Because all, all cell phones, all phone companies keep logs of people texting and talking on the phone. So all they had to do was a little bit of detective work. And, you know, if, if you find punishment a suitable thing, then they could have punished them more for doing such a thing while getting into an accident instead of this. Yeah, it, it does make sense. It seems to me that, um, you know, that's when it really, the rubber hits the road. You know, the behavior may be annoying and all those other things, but if that's when, if they get into an accident, then that's when they're responsible. You know, maybe their insurance uh, could uh, claim that they're not going to pay, or I don't know. Well, people get into accidents for all sorts of reasons, regardless of whether they're texting or eating or doing something distracting. People will get into accidents for maybe, maybe their car just has a, a fault in one of its its linkages or something to that mm. effect because these are made by people who are flawed and thus they are flawed as well. Usually the flaws have to do with the driver. Well, of course. Yes, <laughs> and the conditions and you know the experience nope, the and whether they're tired or they're hopped up on caffeine. It's the driver. <laughs> okay, you know what, Mark? I'm going to disagree with you. <laughs> I'm not saying, you know, I'll, give you, I'll give you 10%. <laughs> I'll give you 10% of accidents are, uh, are uh, you know, conditions you couldn't do anything about and some kind of, uh, you know, problem with the car. The vast majority, 90%, people not paying attention you're while right. they're driving 5,000 pound death machines. Dang it, Mark, you're right. Anyway, what do you, what do you call her? What do you have to say? <laughs> Sorry. Steve. 
Steve. Um, I just thought on a last note, uh, you guys are great. Thank you for keeping me up in the world here. You know, keeping me happy that you know, other people are thinking the same thing. And uh, keep up the good work, Mark. Talk All right. Out for uh, Ian. Thanks. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, guys. Thanks for the call. Awesome. 855-450-3733. JJ, are we done with this uh, South China Sea we, article? That we, we are. Have? We are certainly done with that article. Okay. And you had another one lined up for us, That's too. right. I got this uh, this article from Raw Story. Basically, the ACLU sues Baltimore police for deleting videos off of... Oh, wait. No, actually, let's not do this one. I'm sorry, uh, listeners. This is the wrong story, <laughs> sir, Okay, this is a black government employee group calls That's for the, the end of racially biased drug war. This story is also from a uh, raw story. Blacks in Government, B.I.G., has become the latest national African-American group to officially call for an end to the war on drugs after passing a resolution at its delegates meeting last week. The resolution, which will be delivered to President Barack Obama and U.S. Attorney General Eric Holder, blames drug pro- prohibition for the rapid expansion of the prison population and racially biased prison, prison sentences. The United States has the highest incarceration rate in the world, and African Americans are 13 times more likely to be sentenced to jail than whites facing the same drug charges. Same, same charges. So these are basically the bureaucrats who, who work for the government in various civil and uh, bureaucratic functions. Mm-hmm. That's what this group is about. Not, not specifically the delegates or, I'm sorry, or legislators or representatives. Right. They're, but this these isn't are, the Congressional Black Caucus. No, this no. Is although although the, of, yeah, uh, they employees. do have an affiliation with the uh, Black Caucus sure and, and the other uh, black groups. But basically, these are these are the people being paid this by the state. This is a powerful, powerful um, endorsement from, uh, what's the name of the organization? Blacks in Government. Blacks in Government. Started in 1975. And, uh, but... You know, I it just seems like each one of these things they're coming in, in in faster and faster succession over time here, where people are calling for. I mean, you just don't even hear. You never even heard about anybody calling for an end to the war on drugs. But um, you know, I mean, these, these are these things are happening, and they're happening more and more. I suspect this one will add to the preponderance of organizations and people and uh, press agencies and media calling for the end of the war on drugs. But I don't think this one in particular, you know, Barack Obama's going to say, finally, my my brothers and sisters <laughs> have come to their senses and we're all going to stop this. You, because of what you've said, right. I have now come to my senses and we're going to stop this nonsense. So nope. epiphany. Yeah. I do not think so. I do not think that's what's going to happen. Um, and for one, I don't think that I don't think. I, I, you know, I, often these groups are pandered to. Yeah. I don't believe that they have really any uh, v- very much power. And I don't think that this is going to be where they get their, uh, you know, um, they, they where they get their due, as it were. The uh, article goes on to say most drug arrests can be interpreted as virtual race war to profile, incarcerate and disenfranchise African-Americans, the resolution states. Invalidated by its disproportionate and biased enforcement operations and prosecutions, thus treating similarly situated white Americans much differently. Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. Talk Live, 855-450-3733. It's a sickle toll-free call-in line here on Free Talk Live. Call in, talk about whatever you want to talk about. 
Check out promote.freetalklive.com. There you can go find all kinds of different ways. I mean, there's a, there's a plethora of little buttons across different ways that you can help Free Talk Live by helping to promote us in, in different fashions. It's promote.freetalklive.com. It's a great way to help spread the ideas of liberty. It's Free Talk Live. Hopefully he's putting them out in an entertaining fashion, certainly putting them out to a lot of people. And we can put them out to more with your help at promote.freetalklive.com. Have you ever been the victim of an injustice and then decided to do nothing about it because attorneys are just too expensive? Jurisdictionary.com is a course for people who don't have attorneys. It arms you with the information on how to use the court's rules. Until you know these rules, you're fighting in the dark. It works for plaintiffs or defendants in civil or criminal matters in state or federal courts, costs less than an hour with any good attorney, and the four-CD course is so easy the average eighth grader can learn it in a weekend. This is the civics course you should have had in high school. This teaches you how to use the court system. They've got all kinds of uh, free tools there for you at uh, Jurisdictionary.com, free weekly tips and tactics newsletters, the free legal flow chart, free legal dictionary, free videos. You can buy the course there jurisdictionary.com. Remember to use the pull-down menu when you check out. Let them know you heard it from Free Talk Live there with that uh, pull-down menu thing. Jurisdictionary.com. Let's go to Jay Noon. Jay? Hey. How are you? I'm good. Now, Jay, we, uh, JJ and I have uh, been out to your house. There was a situation where the uh, the town or whatever was trying to take your, your house from you. And let's give people a, a real quick update on that. Are you still living in your house? Well, I still got my house. Um, I haven't heard a, a word from the town. Uh, like a couple days after, I'd seen the police rolling by quite a bit, and every time I would I would go out in the road and stop them, and I'd say, "Hey, guys, thanks for making sure nobody's coming here to try to steal my house. I really appreciate it." And they just laugh and drive off. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I'm glad that uh, uh, nothing bad's happened at, at, at this point. And I. I sent the um, land court uh, actually right after the eviction hearing, which would have been June, uh, a Monday after, the 11th or 12th, mm-hmm. and I sent them what's called a um, uh, a uh, want them to make a clarification under the Declaratory Judgment Act to uh, clarify who the judgment in tax lien case was against. Remember that piece of paper I showed you, the judgment with no signature on right. it. Right. Yep. Um, I asked him who it's against, the um, living, breathing man or state-created entity. And uh, the town's lawyer sent a three-page document to land court basically begging him to deny this document. Um, actually, based almost for no reason, but other than, I mean, it's all legalese and, you know, Mumbo you know, legal blabber as far as I'm concerned. I mean, uh, actually, I scanned it. I meant to post it for people to read. I don't know if I did yet. But, uh, and still, that's been a what now? It's September, and they haven't answered that document yet. And under the um, that, uh, oh, what's it called? Uh, declaratory, declaratory Judgment Act, they have X amount of days to answer. I believe it was 45 days. And I'm, um, i I got to go look at it again. But uh, I, they actually go into default if they don't answer it, I guess. I'm not sure. I mean, I'm not even really worried about it because um, well, I've had so many people who have come out of the woodwork who have been in my situation who kind of want to can't believe I'm being public about it. Like they've said, yeah, they're not going to do anything to you. Wow. And that's with the, with the property tax thing because you're just too hot. 
So now you had something else happen to you over the weekend. Is that right? Yeah, last weekend I went out to Terre Haute, Indiana, for what's called the Shide Diesel Extravaganza. A what? Um, Shide is a is a diesel performance company. They're like hot rod diesel pickup trucks and stuff. Okay. And it's called the Shide Diesel Extravaganza, and it's basically I've been telling people who aren't familiar with like the diesel pickup truck world, which has become pretty popular. Um, it's like the uh, it's like Woodstock for you know farm kids Got it. like me that are in diesel pickup trucks. So anyways. Uh, yeah, they're, they're at Burlington Coat Factory in Terre Haute. So, truck was the the parking lot was full of pickup trucks. It was like basically an an unscheduled truck show. Right. Okay. So these kids had their, their trucks all polished up and walk around with all these nice trucks. And sure. There's, there's probably two thousand people in there, and wow. then at, at one part of the parking lot, there's some kids doing some burnouts and stuff, and um. In Indiana, I mean, you can walk anywhere you want with a with a be- cooler full of beer and a and an open beer can. They don't seem to care about that. People are walking down the street. Nobody got to bother for that. All right. So these cops show up and they they're saying everybody's got to leave, and um, so nobody leaves. Everybody just stays there. So then more cops show up and they start blaring their sirens. Everybody just kind of hangs around and keeps on doing what they're doing. Nobody even leaves. Wow. Okay. So then. So then they get out of their car, and this one cop's got this fire extinguisher, like, 20-inch tall steel con- uh, container, high-pressure container, which is mace, I've later found out. Um, he's walking with me. He's got gloves on. And I said, hey, uh, why are you going to do violence to peaceful people? And then I asked him what was in the canister, and he says, uh, you hang out, and you'll find out what's in here. <laughs> so... They clear a whole bunch of the people out. And so my girlfriend, myself, and a few other people are standing next to my girlfriend's truck. Or, like, probably the only truck left parked in the parking lot. Everybody else is trying to leave, like, you know, good slaves. And um, cop comes over, and I said, so uh, why are you threatening violence on peaceful people? And he goes, you need to get the heck out of here. Well, he said, a, you know, a better word than that. Yeah. But um, he, uh, so, and I says, Why? Because Denny's is still open, and there's also there was all kinds of stores around there, and um, he's like, he's like, you gotta leave, you're trespassing. And I said, uh, I don't see a trespassing sign here. This is a public parking lot; it's open to the public. I go, you got a couple 24-hour stores here, and he says, you gotta leave because I told you to. That's really what he means. Yeah, exactly. It's all about obedience. Yeah. So I said, well, sir, uh, let me inform you that you're a public servant. And that your authority comes from we the people. This is, and you do not have the authority to boss me around because my authority is higher than yours. And he says, that's it, you're under arrest. And he, uh, I, I turn around, let him put the cuffs on me. Um, and I said to my girlfriend, I said, hey, Sarah, videotape this. Get this on video. So she starts videoing. And uh, so... This guy, actually, I don't know how I did not fall over, but he dragged me backwards, and he was, like, moving. He, like, at a real fast pace forward, and I had a tough time even just... Was he a big man? You know, you know, um, he looked big because, he's, because you know, they, they wear shoulder pads, and you can't really tell. <laughs> I mean, you see him on the street, you don't even recognize him. I mean, the Palmer cops, there's a couple of them, they wear shoulder pads, like, you know, like your mother would wear 20 years ago, you right. know? Um, puff them up a little bit. Popular anymore, but uh, uh, I don't know if that's strange behavior. Women, but 
Right, right, right. Intimidation behavior. Um, so anyways, he, he says to the other cop, seize that camera as evidence. And uh, the other cop, like, he didn't do anything. I couldn't believe it. He was like, um, the other cop just kind of backed off. I, I think he was intimidated by his partner. It was kind of surprised me. Right, like a guy just going... So- or, or, or like he, like, like he knew his partner wasn't acting properly, and he didn't want to be a part of it because of whatever pending lawsuit could be uh, coming because of this. You well, know? I, I explained, you know, I explained to him as he's, you know, and he, and he keeps on shoving me against the car as he's, you know, searching through my pockets and asking me if I got any weapons, and I don't know what I got in my pocket. I'm not, I'm not answering any of the questions, you know. And uh, so he's, so. He's there, stop resisting me, and he keeps on shoving me against the car, and I'm like, holy crap, this guy's a lunatic. So um, he, after he, like, puts me in the cruiser, um, he says, you have an identification on you? I says, I don't know. He goes, unless you come up with ID, you're going to spend a spend a day till Monday morning in, in jail. I says, hey, he goes, that'll equal millions of dollars when I'm done with you guys. Huh? That's fine. Whatever you want to do. And uh, so he goes over to my girlfriend, and the other cop was just standing there, like, just doing nothing. Um, he goes over to my girlfriend and just grabs a camera out of her hand and says, I don't know what he says to her, but I didn't hear it. Um, and as he grabs a camera, he drops a camera. And it was like a $280, you know, digital yeah. camera. And then he takes the camera and he deletes the video. Uh, so... I go to the jail. You're, and I'm you're, not in there. you're aware that video can be recovered as long as you haven't recorded over it, are you? Uh, I'm very aware of that. Uh, that's why we immediately did not yeah, put any use that camera anymore. Jay, hold uh, hold hold the line. I want to I want to hear the rest of this story. Eight five five four five zero three seven three three. Free Talk Live. Continue with this. Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line, 855-450-3733. Check out freetalklive.com where we have shop.freetalklive.com for you. You can go there, do your online shopping, support Free Talk Live in the process. Let's go back to Jay Noon. Calling from New York, but you're from Massachusetts. Well, I just got to get a load of hay from a guy in the morning, and I got a little rained out, and the roads usually travel down. I couldn't travel down because they got washed out. Last weekend, you're a hardworking and, guy. Wow. So, hey, for those for those just joining us, can you give a recap of what you've said? Uh, the quick recap, and then we'll uh, jump in where, where we were talking about before. Uh, I said to an officer walking around with a fire extinguisher sized can of mace, "Why are you threatening to violence the peaceful people?" And then he told me I was trespassing in this big, like um, Burlington Coat factory parking lot. I said, "There's no tres- no no trespassing signs here." And he said, well, I'm telling you to leave. And I said, well, you're my servant. And just because you tell me to do something doesn't mean I have to. I essentially said, you're challenging my authority. I don't know if he uses that, them exact words. He says, well, then you're under arrest. He drags me. He puts cuffs on me, drags, 
drags me backwards about, I don't know, maybe 85 feet to his cruiser. Uh, my girlfriend videotapes it. Um, the other cop standing by, uh, he just kind of like stood by and really did nothing. I think he just kind of stayed within maybe, I don't know, 10 feet of the other cop. The cop that had me, his name was Dean Minnick from the report, um, Terre Haute PD, um, tells the other officer, uh, which I haven't got a name of, um, to go seize the camera, and he just kind of stood there and did nothing. Um, so he went and seized it himself. He went and he took it out, physically grabbed it out of my girlfriend's hand, dropped it on the ground, deleted it, and then and then yep. went, and then he got back in the cruiser. What you mentioned beforehand, I think this is important, is he told the other officer to seize the camera as evidence. Right, yes. yes and and then he proceeded to delete the video on the camera. So this right. officer knowingly and intentionally destroyed evidence, or he was using this as a ruse, one of the two. Yeah, tampering with evidence. Yeah. So this, looks, this guy it, apparently needs a small jail stint. I mean, if I were to uh, destroy or tamper with evidence, I'm sure I'd get me a little time in the pokey. Oh, certainly. But not this fella. And he intimidated the witness. I mean, you know, my girlfriend's a little 125-pound girl, you know? And um, so so anyways, I, they bring me to the to the barracks uh, or to the uh, prison. They ask me a bunch of information. I tell them I don't have to talk to them about anything. Um, they, uh, uh, so, I, so I talk to this one guy. He goes, well, he goes, can you at least tell me your name? And I said, sure, my name's Joseph Noon, or Joseph Francis Noon. And he goes, can you tell him birthday? I tell him birthday. So he runs it all on a computer. He goes, yeah, what's your social security number? says, I'm unnumbered. He goes, oh, that's cool. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. So so he goes, he goes, "Um, you don't look like you've been drinking. No, I don't, I don't consume alcohol. Uh, And he goes, oh. Why? And then the other cop come over, and he stopped asking me the, the like, you know, off-the-topic question or, or off-the-record question to this other kid. Yeah, I think he was like, I don't know if he was an intern for the sheriff's department or what. He was a young guy. And so he goes, um, so they bring over a breathalyzer test, and he says, blow in this. And I said, um, no, this is, well, what, what's that thing for? Just to check your alcohol, blood alcohol level. I says, oh, I'm not going to submit any evidence to you. He says, and he goes, fine, you're staying here till Monday morning till you see the judge. I says, you already told me that once. Whatever. So I said, hey, um, you know, I have you have sworn an oath of office not to compel me to furnish evidence against myself. So you're now threatening me with 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 prison and, until. Monday morning, and this was Friday night, because yep. I, don't, I refused to give you some kind of evidence. He goes, he goes, I could take whatever evidence I want, and he starts cursing and swearing and screaming at me. Just going insane. This is what happens, by the way, when the when the little Napoleons, uh, the little petty tyrants, um, you know, in the bureaucracies have their authority. Now, I'm not saying every one of them is a petty tyrant by any stretch, but the ones that are, and you can imagine how they're attracted to this kind of role. Um, you know, they, they, they it drives them absolutely bananas when you when you just oh. don't submit. Right. Right. So. He, um, this gets great. So anyways, 
the other another like sheriff, an, an older man, kind of had some gray in his hair, come over and like just kind of like grabbed this guy like by the back of the shoulder neck area, and like pulled him in real close, close to him and whispered something into his ear. So right as that 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 sheriff did that, because um, the sheriffs take care of the prisoners or whatever, uh, I said, "Sir, are you challenging my authority not to give evidence against myself? I already told you once that you are a servant." to the people, and you're challenging my authority, you're going to lose your badge for this. You violated your contract with the people. And he comes at me, and he goes, there's no effing contract. What the F are you talking about? You belong in the psych ward. He starts, and, he, and he's going off. This other guy pulls him back again. So this, this, so this guy leaves. And uh, so the kid goes, all right, you've got to go in that cell there, and you've got to change into these orange clothes. So I walk over there. And they had to uncuff me and everything. And uh, so I start putting on these orange clothes, and the phone rings. And I hear him say, oh, that guy's getting released. So by the time I get my pants on, they give me a bag full of my stuff that was in my pocket, and they walk me out this door. And then I open up this door, step outside, and the door slams behind me. Bang! Outside by myself, I'm, I don't even know where I am. So I pick up my cell phone, I call my girlfriend, I'm going, hey, I'm out of jail. She goes, how did that happen so fast? That guy said that, you, that you'll be at the courthouse Monday morning. I said, I don't know what happened. They just, like, threw me out of that place. They did not want me there. <laughs> now, I don't know why. Yeah, well, I, I couldn't, I'm, I'm not going to speculate either. It's a, it's a really an, an amazing story. What um, what, did you know what, I mean, what happened? Did you get charged with something? Do you know if you, your charges got dropped? Did you just act like they didn't happen? What, I mean, what happened? Well, there was, um, they, well, that, well, it didn't all happen that fast. They wanted me to sign this paper saying I, 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 I um, uh, I agree to appear. Okay. And I said, I'm not signing anything. And, and, and the guy just like, all right, whatever. And he just shoves me out the door. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't sign the piece of paper that says he agrees to appear. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, so, so I went and I found a guy at this. Um, that uh, There was a vendor there making stickers. And I went to him the next morning. And I said, hey, can I use your computer tonight or, or Sunday afternoon? He's like, yeah. He goes, um, Sunday afternoon would be perfect. So I go use this guy's computer for like two and a half hours. I write up a special appearance notice. I give him the affidavit that I'm not a U.S. citizen. I'm not subject to the municipal jurisdiction of whatever. You're uh, one of these and, citizens uh, of the several states. Is that right? Um, I, I I call it. I call myself a state national. Okay. Anonymous with that's what the founding fathers were. So uh, I I go to court and I tell them I'm, when they call my name. I tell them I'm not here. Generally, I'm here. Generally, uh, what? what? What's this? Uh, you say that again? Voodoo? Here. Oh, I yeah, somebody was calling on the ID here. I got um. I told him I'm not there by way of general appearance because I've told, I've explained to you guys before how crossing over the bar that that ship's railing puts you onto that ship's vessel. Okay. Um, and that has something to do with the, general appearance. Well, general appearance is, is what puts you into their jurisdiction. Special appearance. You stay out of their jurisdiction, and you only stay on topic of special appearance. Okay. So this courtroom was full of people. It was it was a bigger courtroom than where um, uh, Pete and the demo were, twice the size of seating, and it was packed full of people being charged. 
And they, um, so they call me up. They ask me if, if my address is such and such an address. I say I'm not here to talk about that. Jay, I'm here to talk about my Jay, hold, hold yep. the line. I'm, I, I do want to hear the end, um, the end of the story. It's Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. Are you looking for a concealed carry holster? Crossbreed Holsters is the home of the world-famous Super Tuck, the most comfortable concealed carry holster on the market today. Try one out and see how truly discreet and comfortable carrying concealed can be. And find out why we call it the ugliest holster you'll ever love. We are the standard others try to imitate. Get the original. Get your Super Tuck at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Again, that's CrossbreedHolsters.com. Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. It's a SACL toll-free call-in line, 855-450-3733. Check out amp.freetalklive.com. There at amp.freetalklive.com, you can uh, figure out how to support Free Talk Live. You can, we can join our little Mouseketeer Club, as it were, the Amplifier Program. <laughs> Yeah, give us $3 a month or whatever it is that you propose to uh, to give. It's $3 on up. And we'll give you some perks. Uh, there's a amp amplifier let's amplifier podcast that's commercial free among other perks. It's amp.freetalklive.com. Are you tired of watching the value of the dollar plummet? Are you tired of banks charging you fees? Do you want to take back control of your own money? Take a look at Bitcoin. Bitcoin is the world's first decentralized, anonymous internet currency and is gaining popularity every day. It's free to use, free to accept, and free from inflation forever. You can use Bitcoins anywhere in the world. You can learn more by visiting weusecoins.org. Again, it's weusecoins.org to find out more about Bitcoins. I think that they're, uh, they have the potential to really change the way money is used uh, in the world. Let's go back to Jay Noon calling in, telling us as ordeal dealing with uh well one crazy guy yep. one crazy jay, cop in Terre Haute. for the listeners jay noon is definitely um i met him down in palmer uh actually it was wasn't palmer what was it uh bonsville bonsville yeah bonsville outside his house uh, i did an interview with him shot some footage a property tax resistor uh jay is is very genuine and sincere and just honest straightforward but he is definitely a uh you know, a testament to standing up for your rights and uh, just being, you know, a, a, a sovereign on the land. So, Jake, you I, want to continue? I, I like I like the term property tax non. Um, oh, I just went blank here. You had a term about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I'm a you know a non-participant um, property tax non-participant. But anyways. Now, Jay, uh, before you go on with your story, um, I, w- I want to advise you. We've got a call for you, and I want to take that. Um, so uh, let's uh, sure. you know wrap the story up as quick as we can, so we can take a call for you. Okay. Well, anyways, so I I go, I go to the court, and they asked me to sign a promise to appear, and I told them I'm not signing anything. And the judge says, "Well, you're going to appear, right?" And I says, "I don't know what I don't know what's going to happen." I said, "I could walk out here and die die out on the sidewalk. I have no idea what's going to happen. I'm not promising anything." And uh, they're like, whatever, just leave. And but they had a line of people that were just okay. I'll pay a fine, whatever. Right. So I got charged. I got charged with trespassing. And the trespassing charge says that the owner asked me to leave, and I didn't leave. Okay. Um, and that's a five thousand dollar fine a year in a can. 
And then I also got charged with resisting arrest. So the best part of this whole thing is I went down to the police department to file a uh, complaint with the uh, Internal Affairs Department. Well, I met this man who actually worked uh, with Sheriff Joe Apayo on cleaning up uh, a Phoenix Police Department, which he told me about and he was very proud of. Um, he spent a lot of time in a jail in the 60s protesting the war, and, and he, uh, he says he's supposed to retire, but he doesn't want to retire because he likes being an, an internal affairs officer. So I talked to him, and uh, he, uh, I asked him if I could get a criminal complaint, I mean, get the uh, background history on this cop. He says, that's called a disciplinary report, and no, you can't get that, he said. And then he, he goes, that's not available to you. And then, like, Two minutes later, he just says, hey, if you want to know some information about somebody here, you do a Freedom of Information Act. And then he goes right back and is just telling me about a Harley motorcycle or something. Really cool guy. So, But I actually i am going to scan and post that complaint form that he gave me, which he told me I could do, and I'm going to put it on Facebook, and I'm going to put it because they arrested hundreds and hundreds of people that weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, they, uh, One newspaper Monday morning said that the, um, that the police wrote over a million dollars in tickets for, for um, turn signals, pushing black smoke. Um, uh, you know, the diesel trucks, when they're hopped sure. up, they are, are modified, they push black. So anyways, and, and various other things. And they had 20 people per 10 by 10 jail cells Saturday night. Jeez. Um, they were raking it in, Saturday huh? Night, Saturday night, supposedly the same cop that arrested me was walking around the same parking lot Saturday night with an AR-15. Uh, and they were, the quote was like one kid told me, yeah, that guy was pounding an AR 15 off of his chest. Um, real tough guy. So, uh, Jay, let us know what happens with the story. Cause I want to, I, I want to find out how it, how it, uh, all turns out by the end of it. But, um, let me go to captain Ned in Florida. Captain Ned. Hey, day 23, free and Freeman. I think that's it. Day 23 sounds right. Yeah, that's it. Hey, it was good to hear Ian today. Uh, it sounds like he's doing well. And, yep. and great to hear uh, Jay Noon's uh, tactics and techniques and refusing to get piped aboard uh, over the rail. Jay, can you hear uh, Can you hear Captain Ned? Yep. I hear him. Okay, great. Captain Ned, you can hey, hear Jay? Jay I, hope, I hope your battle's going well uh, back there in Massachusetts. It, it is. They're, they're, they, they, they've, uh, they defaulted, <laughs> basically. Excellent. So what's the question for uh, Jay, Captain Ed? Well, I just, uh, I, I, like I told you, when Jay just gave his name and birthday only, that avoids a John Doe charge. He did exactly the right thing. And uh, by not giving an SS number he, and refusing to uh, sign a, a, you know, a promise to appear, that's all, yeah, it's all key. But what, what event were you at, Jay? Uh, Shied Diesel Extravaganza. Yeah, truck pull, drag races, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, farm kid stuff. Gotcha. So there, so you still have charges against you for this? Yeah, they gave me a date to appear um, uh, November 30th, and it's a thousand mile travel. Well, like 900 something mile travel from my place to there. Yeah. Well, what I was going to say is. Uh, you know, the, the gentleman who uh, tossed you out of the jail cell, probably the, the gray-haired policeman, was probably an oath keeper. He knew that he was uh, he was witnessing something he didn't want to testify about. You follow me? 
Right, and, and to be honest with you, if I ran into that guy today, I couldn't tell you who he was. I never really got a good look at his face. Well, you know, that's, that's yeah. exactly why he did what he did. He did the right thing, and you got to hand it to that, uh, to that peace officer. He stepped in and did the right thing, but uh, I just want to congratulate you on what you did, and those tactics and techniques do work. Yeah, yes, they do, and the thing is, you can't get emotional with these guys because that's how they prey on you, whether it's I'm going to impound your car, I'm going to take your kid, I'm going to take your house, you're going to jail for a week. You just can't get emotionally. You've got to keep your head on your shoulders because they, they fear-monger you so much. And refusing to give evidence against yourself is always key. I mean, that's, you know, that's your constitutional right. Absolutely. Well, thanks, gentlemen. I'll let you continue. Captain Ned, thank you very much. So Jay, um, you have a uh, you have a, a court date to appear at, and you're going to have to drive there a thousand miles to go appear. Yeah, actually, they set it for trial November 30th, but uh, uh, in the um, Indiana Constitution, it mm-hmm. says that in all criminal cases, the jury has the right to to judge both the law and the facts. And I thought that was pretty awesome. I'm kind of looking forward to going to a jury trial there. Well. I don't look forward to jury trials at all, frankly. I think that uh, juries juries often just do what they're told to do. But, Jay, I really do hope this works out for you, and please keep us updated. Yeah, thanks a lot, Jay. Really appreciate all you're doing, man. Yep, thanks for the call. Free Talk Live. Thank you, guys. Thank you. 855-450-3733. Have you ever wished that you could buy, sell, and trade in silver in your community? Dell Valley Silver has a no-cost turnkey setup for you. You recruit six to eight businesses in your area to accept Dell Valley Silver rounds as barter currency, and your wish is granted. You get paid, and you promote the use of real money. This isn't like so many other silver currency setups where it's really just a system to sell high-priced rounds. It's a free market system based on Austrian economics. DellValleySilver.com. DellValleySilver.com. Free Talk Live, 855-453. It's a sacred toll-free call-in line. You know that cigarettes aren't healthy for you. You've probably been thinking about giving the e-cigarette a try. It's a healthier option, 22,000 times healthier than cigarettes. Listen to this offer from Vaporsmiths.com. Vaporsmiths makes one of the best, most well-made e-cigarettes on the market today. A pack-a-day smoker. We'll save about $120 a month from the get-go, so you already start being richer, feeling better, and smelling better. How about a free starter kit, too? Just purchase 40 cartomizers, the coupon code FTL, and you'll get free shipping uh, because the order is more than $60. All orders over $60 get free shipping at Vaporsmiths.com. You can call call 855-2-GET-VAPOR or go to Vaporsmiths.com to get this deal, this free starter kit. 855-2-GET-VAPOR, Vaporsmiths.com. JJ, uh, we were reading a story about a, a uh, was it Blackson government group? That's right. We uh, we started a story, uh, story earlier in the uh, the broadcast about the Blackson government has become the latest national African American group to officially call for an end to the drug war or war on drugs. And uh, so I'm going to basically uh, recap a little bit here. The resolution which this group drafted was delivered to the president and the attorney general. Um, obviously. We don't expect much to happen with that, with our more rational mindset as far as government goes. 
But the uh, the report cites the U.S. has the highest incarceration rate. That African Americans are thirteen times more likely to be sentenced to jail than whites for the same drug charges. And so, like, like, let's make that clear that this isn't a statement about blacks being more likely to commit a crime than whites. This is a statement about sent- people who get the same charge yes. and how they're sentenced. That's right. And that there's a disparity, a, a very, very large disparity. This isn't a fluke sort of disparity. When you're talking about a group of people, one group of people is 13 times more likely to be sentenced to jail or prison for a charge than another group of people. That meaning that the, the same people that have the same charge, um, you know, two different types of groups here, that is something systemic and something very, very, very bad is going on. We're not talking about a 1 to 1.5 ratio no, here. It, We're talking about a 1 to 13 ratio. Right. It's sort of like seeing, like if if on your home street, the police were, were just, just terrible and they arrested people for jaywalking all the time. And you saw, let's say, 12 white people cross the street in front of this cop and not get arrested, and then one black person do it and get arrested, then it, that would cause alarm. You would, you would definitely see a disparity. But because of the way that our legal system works, a lot of what happens and goes on is either met out through plea deals that don't receive a lot of light of day, or, mm-hmm. it's, or it's just simply these individuals can't mount an efficient defense against the state so they can't really even defend themselves. A lot of the law, law libraries in these jails are just terrible as far as preparing people for, for protecting themselves, pro se. But I'll continue with the story here. The, uh, the resolution, basically, uh, it says that most drug arrests can be interpreted as a virtual race war to profile, incarcerate, and disenfranchise African Americans, the resolution states, invalidated by its disproportionate and biased enforcement operations and prosecutions, thus treating similarly situated white Americans much differently. The resolution calls for the government to develop alternatives this is to incarceration. Why, by the way, a, a lot of uh, you know, I've never heard, uh, I've never had a caller call in that I can think of off the top of my head that wasn't white that backed up the uh, that didn't sound white. I should say I really don't know what people's colors are, uh, frankly, that backed up the the war on drugs. I mean, and I would I, I can see you know, and it makes sense, right? Like you don't deal with uh, your empirical data that you get on a day to day basis does not deal with this so, because you're 13 times less likely to get a charge than somebody else so you say well what's that what's the big deal about pop being illegal right it's not like it's a problem to get it and smoke it exactly unless it affects you or unless you personally experience this phenomenon you are less likely to be aware of it for one and less likely to do anything about it for the other yep so uh, the story goes on, uh, the resolution calls for government to develop alternatives to incarceration and a federal investigation into racially biased drug sentencing. I personally witnessed racially biased enforcement procedures when I ran a joint DEA task force, U.S. Marshal Matthew Fogg, former B.I.G. vice president, said in a statement, when I requested equal enforcement of upscale suburban areas, I met internal resistance. Fogg is a member of Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, LEAP, a group of police, judges, prosecutors, and prison wardens who support legalizing and regulating drugs. In July, the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People officially called on the U.S. government to end the war on drugs. Studies show that that all racial groups abuse drugs at similar rates, but the numbers also show that African Americans, Hispanics, and other people of color are stopped, searched, arrested, charged, convicted, and sent to prison 
for drug-related charges at a much higher rate, California State Conference of the NWACP President Alice Huffman said. So basically, it, it highlights what we know to be true, those of us who can look at America through the reality glass, so to speak, or, or, or without the illusions of, uh, that they so carefully craft, that this is not a country, a country of, of where everyone is treated equal and everyone is you know, equal from the, the very beginning. Clearly, certain individuals receive certain privileges, i.e. the whites, and how they get sentenced for similar crimes. You know, it's um, I, these numbers really do bear that out. Um, it's 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 uh, it's it's shocking to hear. Let's go to Pat in Michigan. Pat, hey, good evening, guys. What's happening? Um, the, the further we go down the road of government infringement into our lives, the more sense a fair and equitable consumption tax makes to me. Is it the fair tax? I don't know because I don't I don't agree with the spending plan of the government, uh, you know. So to make it revenue neutral, I'm not necessarily agreement with that. But yeah. a consumption tax seems to me the most equitable form and the most constitutional form of taxation. Uh, I, you know, I um, the way you state this speaks to my heart. Um, I I am of the opinion that taxation is stealing and that the government has no uh, bearing in, you know, in that area. But I think that there's an interesting, uh, you know, little twist to this. I would agree that a consumption tax gives uh, incentives in a much better way than an income tax does. An income tax basically penalizes people for making money. What a consumption tax does is it would um, reward people for saving. And I think that it'd be fair to the poor and, 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 you know, you want to tax the rich, well, they spend more money, they're going to pay more taxes. So here's an interesting twist to the fair tax that I think could make it a little fair. For one thing, um, in order to institute the fair tax, you'd have to get rid of the 16th amendment, in my opinion, because, um, well, let's, let's back up one step there. How many poor people do you know that are actually capable of saving money? Everybody's capable of saving money. Are you sure about that? I am. I'm quite sure. So I would disagree. Well, I would say a lot of the poor people are just barely making ends meet, and in fact, they're even perhaps selling possessions, taking on short loans to create the uh, the, the cover. That's because they've gaps. gotten poor recently, and they didn't have a lifestyle that allowed them to, um, you know, handle a period. What about of time? the fact that there a lot of these poor people are dependent upon government? So that that stipend they receive from the government either doesn't go up, or the inflation causes its value to go down. Regardless, they have a certain amount of money to make ends meet, and if they're going to save money, they they certainly can't do it under their certain uh, their current conditions. You know, I frankly don't care, JJ. Okay. I mean, like when it comes down to it, I want to reward savings, and if you incentivize savings, you'll see more savings. If you incentivize debt and you incentivize spending, you'll get more. Okay, debt and if spending. you want to incentivize savings, how about we get rid of the Fed or at least raise the interest rates to a point where savings accounts have some sort of incentive? I'm fine with getting rid of the Fed. I want to get rid of the Fed, but um, oh, let's abolish the Fed. I'm all for it, guys. Right. I um, mean, you know, but that that we're not talking about the Fed. We're talking about taxes and. Um, when it comes to taxes, I think that the federal government gives and state governments give um, the federal government through state governments give the ability to uh, incorporate to businesses and people. And therefore, since the government creates corporations, the government th- uh, then would have the right, really the real right to tax those corporations because they receive benefits through being incorporated. Sure. So if the taxes, these consumption taxes, were only levied against organizations that were incorporated, 
then you would see really would be in fact be as far as I can tell a much more just uh, system. Pat. Thank you. Free Talk Live. Bitcoins. You can buy them and you can sell them. They're a great little commodity. You can accept them for your own products and services. But what do you do once you have them? Why you spend them, of course. Spendbitcoins.com allows you to spend them all in one place. From spendbitcoins.com, you can spend your bitcoins at major online retailers such as Amazon, Fishpond, Barnes & Noble, memory dealers, and more. When you want to spend bitcoins, go to spendbitcoins.com. Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. You might be able to squeeze your call in if you get it in quick. 855-450-3733. JJ, tell me about SACL CAI. SACL CAI has a fully orbed approach to account recovery. It's really three companies in one. Are you they, doing an announcer voice? I'm trying to do announcer voice. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on a second. It's really three companies in one. They do collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged off receivable. SACL knows the way they treat your customer reflects on you. Their staff is respectful. They record every call, and they have the best money uh, they have the money, best the equipment, equipment can money buy. can buy, <laughs> so your business is handled as efficiently as possible. <laughs> See their banner at freetalklive.com. Sakel CII. Jason Osborne is awesome. Well, he must be awesome if he puts up with live reads like that, I'll tell you. <laughs> hey, that, that was money right there. <laughs> it was. <laughs> it was worth a chuckle. <laughs> All right. Uh, do we have more on this, uh, the, the Blackson government? Uh, no, we, we pretty much covered that story. You said you had um, another article uh, that uh, is slipping my mind. What was it? The uh, UN report on the, the long-awaited United Nations review of the Israelis' raid on Turkish-based flotilla. That's right. Um, this, is the, this is something that happened, jeez, oh, it's probably... 2010. Been, yeah, it's been like a year ago. Um, a situation where, I guess, people, they were bringing, like, you know, concrete and goods and things into uh, the, the, uh, the Palestinian area. And essentially, Israel says, no, you can't have anything. And they're essentially creating them as sort of a slave state to themselves. And, I, you know, I, I get that there's a lot of conflict going on there, but what they are calling... Weapon supplies are often just supplies. Right. I mean, they'll use any excuse they need to, to intervene and, and just sort of put their policies into place. Yep. This, uh, this article comes from the New York Times. Basically, uh, let's see, I, I just read that first line. So we'll just say uh, 15 months ago, the raid happened. The, the report said that the Israeli forces boarded the vessels trying to break, break the blockade uh, the report is expected to re- be released Friday. It's also found that Israeli commandos board the main ship. They faced organized and violent re- resistance from a group of passengers and were therefore required to use force on their own protection. But the report called the force excessive and unreasonable, saying that loss of life was unacceptable and that Israeli's military later treatment of passengers was abusive. So basically the report said that what Israeli did, the blockade was legit. Okay. It was acceptable. It's all right that uh, Israel has a Palestine blockade and that the people can't get anything in. That's right. But that the use of force when they boarded that ship and killed those nine people was excessive and unreasonable. So So how do you blockade without using force? Well, I think that, um, you know, actually it's quite possible um, because... 
you just use force in a more discretionary way. And then if somebody escalates the force up against you, because you just keep on coming, you use tasers, you use uh, nerve gas, you board the ship. If somebody shoots at one of the uh, the Israeli you know, Marines or whatever it is that's taking commandos, over, commandos that are taking over the ship. Well, then they've got every excuse in the world to do whatever they want. So um, it, that, that's how it goes. I mean, here in the United States, if you want to kn- know how to use force, look at a by the book cop uh, arrest. Right. The uh, the 105 page report, a copy of which was obtained by New- the New York Times, was completed months ago, but its publication was delayed several times as Turkey and Israel sought to reconcile their deteriorating relationship and perhaps avoid making the report public. In reactions from both governments included on the report, as well as interviews, each objected to its conclusions. Both said they believed that the report, which was intended to help men relations, would instead make reconciliation harder. Turkey is particularly upset by the conclusion that Israel's naval blockade is keeping with the international law and that its forces have the right to stop Gaza-bound ships in international waters, which is what happened in a 2010 episode. The conclusion oversteps the mandate of the four-member panel appointed by the United Nations Secretary General and is at odds with other United Nations decisions, Turkey argued. So Turkey and, and Israel have been sort of having some rough relations because of this report and because sure. of the, the Gaza raid and the, and the nine people killed. And uh, in another article, uh, this one's been published by Hart, or H, uh, you know, out of Israel. I don't know how to pronounce that name. Harart. It's got the double A. Okay. But anyway, Turkey is, is warning Israel that they have one day to apologize for the Gaza flotilla raid. Otherwise, they will impose sanction, sanctions on, on Israel. Hmm. And uh, this, excuse me, this news story came out before the New York Times published this report. So it was both they wanted an apology and they also wanted this UN report published. Okay. So the New York Times took care of the publishing aspect of it. Now they're waiting for Israel to issue an apology for the deaths of those those Turkish nationals yeah. that died in the raid, and Turkey, what do you think is going to happen? I think Israel is definitely not going to apologize for anything. Doesn't seem like it. No, of course not. Why should that would be admitting wrong? And they would governments want to do really that. don't generally do that very well. No, it opens it, them up to lawsuits. Well, I I don't think in this case it really would open them to lawsuits because there really wouldn't be any jurisdiction or anything like that. But at the very you know it probably would be the very best thing to handle this situation. I think sorry things you know we're protecting our sovereign borders things got out of hand you can imagine what it's like being one of these commandos these guys felt threatened they uh, used uh, you know weapons sorry we, we, it wasn't our intention to kill civilians blah 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 you know I mean just make it you know I think that I'm sorry's go so far right they don't even actually have to mean it they just have to say it publicly in order for for Turkey of course to be appeased. But it, what I think is going to happen is that relations between Israel and Turkey are going to continue to deteriorate, and we're going to see more strife in that region. Turkey around doesn't Israel. Want, really want to get involved. I can assure you, they've got a they've got a policy of not getting involved in stuff, and they would really like to not do it. But this is a big deal. Well, we also have to consider that with all the uprisings in the Middle East, uh, the populist uprisings, that Turkey is not immune from this by any any stretch. And even though they're, they're the most they, immune, <laughs> they, obviously they have a lot less Arabic because they are a Persian country. That there's a lot, lot less, is it, or, or is it more of a Soviet no, Turks? Turk. Um, they're the you know Cross- mo- mostly what the the deal is with Turkey is that they're the freest of the Arabic countries, so they're less likely to see an Arab Spring because there's not as much to rise up against. Yeah, but if people are upset at Israel for killing Turkey sure. civilians. Uh, I think they're going to be upset no matter what. Indeed. Um, you know, I, 
Turkey's taken a start hard line. I mean, it's not like they said you have one week to apologize. They said one day, and I'm I'm interested in what is um, what's going to happen. I've got a story here that we really got to get. It was just uh, I am to me here. Julian Heiklin found guilty of contempt of court, 145 days in jail. Julian Heiklin went to trial today, defending himself, and was found guilty. Like I, this is uh, from Mark Schmitter, who has also got a long sentence for external criminal contempt of court. He was sentenced to 145 days in the Orange County Jail with no bail being set as this at this time. Julian will be back in front of uh, Judge Perry on September the 12th to check the status of Julian's appeal and reexamine the possibility of allowing bail. Julian's crime that he was engaged in a First Amendment activity was handing out Fiji flyers against the will and order of a judge. We'll need a legal defense fund set up in, um, for Julian. The appeal will be five grand going in and out wow. with uh, incidental expenses, probably ten grand by the time the appeal gets to federal Supreme Court. At least uh, this is what my lawyer quoted me. My appeal has already started for the same conviction from the same Judge Perry. Yours in free- freedom, Mark E. Schmitter. You can go find out more at tyrannyfighters.com. Again, it's tyrannyfighters.com. These guys... These judges are out of control. They are. The, the, these tyrants and dresses are just, they're so immune from so much prosecution yep. and, and sort of accountability that they can issue these edicts from the bench and then. Right. It's contempt then, of court. Right. Once someone violates. On the steps of a courthouse, of a public building. Right. This isn't contempt of a courtroom. You're not standing up and saying, I have contempt for you, sir. Right. It's, yeah. it's not even in the courtroom. It's not even in the, in, in the realm it's not even of. It's the building. Yes, exactly. These people, I mean, where does their purview stop? It stops when someone challenges it. That's that's the thing. These judges can say whatever they want. They can make any order they want. And until someone takes it to court and challenges it and appeals it with this $5,000 fee. So this bureaucrat gets to you know levy his order for free. Yes. And then you and I have to pay $10,000 in order to have it overturned. This is a free country? Welcome to America. I mean, this is so crazy. I mean, people. do people really say that anymore? Do people really say this is a free country? Oh, it's a free country. They do when their head's in the sand. I just, I mean, I don't even, I, I, I wonder how many people can even believe that anymore. This is, it's insanity. It is. These judges can do whatever they want. And Not how do we, well, how do we hold do them accountable? How do we hold these judges accountable? What, what can individuals do? I think the listeners out there, I mean, cycle I that through your brain. What can you do to, to help this situation? Petition other judges? I mean, is that going to solve it? Petition the legislature? Is that going to solve it? I mean, where, where do you start? Where do you end? I don't even know. I mean, I, I don't know what you do in this circumstance. You know, for me, I would leave Orlando and come to New Hampshire. But, you know, frankly, stuff like this is going on in New Hampshire, too. Yep. So, uh, you know, I mean, I think that concentration is, is, a, is a key. I, you know, that, that's the best thing I got. And it ain't great. Move to New Hampshire. Free Talk Live. In the meantime, check out freetalklive.com. Thanks so much. Get interactive with the website. <laughs> 